0: It's the Farm and Garden Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Archer. Sorry for the delay. Anything can happen on live radio, and we're excited to be coming to you just a couple minutes late. Also excited today, my daughter May. It's the first day of December, which means it's the first day of her Advent calendar. But May, you got to wait until I get home, honey, and then I promise we'll open it together. My guest on the Farm and Garden Show today is Irene Engber of Irene's Garden Produce in Leightonville. Irene is a certified organic grower who has been farming since 1989. Irene, I know we already started this conversation once, but for listeners who can actually hear us now, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Um, So (laughs) you and I, in the couple minutes that we were offline... We're having a lovely conversation about um, how you came to farming and Mendocino County. So, if you wouldn't mind just uh, filling everybody Going in, on, yeah,
1: on your on your path. Yeah. Well, I came to the states from Ireland in 1978, and I um, stupidly took the um, Greyhound bus from the east coast to the west coast to see the country. Which is a terrible way, let me tell you. That's a country. long drive. Yeah, but it's you know you're just in these bus stations. You know it's like you see you know the the harshest situations, and then you get on the next bus, and every town has a McDonald's, and you know it's you don't see the beauty of the country at right, all doing right. It that way, but you know it was, and then I was heading for San Francisco, and my sister in Ireland was keeping my airline tickets so that. You know, I'd get home no matter what happened. And um, I did end up with this guy I met on the bus in Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Oh, my We were gosh. having a great old time. <laughs> but I discovered that every penny I had had been stolen the night before So the next morning. So um, that kind of changed my direction. We The bus went through a little town called Desert Center, about 70 miles east of Palm Springs. And the hog farm was caretaking a grape farm down there, Table Grapes, 26 acres of Table Grapes. And um, he told me I should get off there, introduce myself, and say he sent me. And basically, that's what happened. And I've sort of been with the family since then. I fell in love with farming. That's when I fell in love with farming. I had never... Um, My uncle tried to get me helping out in the rainy garden in Ireland with the slugs and the snails, and I just wasn't interested in any of that as a teenager. It's a
0: little different gardening in California and gardening in Ireland. Oh,
1: my gosh, I know. There was so much more adventure to it all. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I fell in love with farming, and and I haven't stopped loving farming, no matter how hard it is, no matter how... um, Non-lucrative it is. It's um, it's something I love to do, and um, I dread the day I can't do it anymore, to tell you the truth.
0: Minor sidebar, the one time I've been to Ireland, I took a bus across the country from Dublin to Galway.
1: Oh, isn't that a riot? Oh, oh my goodness. Not
0: quite as long. It's only It was no, only about a four-hour
1: bus ride, I four think. Four hours yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But... I have been to Ireland, so you've bussed across this country, and I've bussed across your country.
1: <laughs> yeah, amazing, oh, That's right. I think you had the better deal.
0: Oh, I, I, think, I think so, too. The buses were pretty nice, as I recall.
1: Yeah. So yeah. how'd you end up in Laytonville? <clears throat> um, well, we, we had a house in Berkeley, and a lot of the folks in the family wanted to move to the country, and a lot of people wanted to stay in the city. And so um, there would be these runs out looking for land, and um, the old back-to-the-land kind of thing. This was in uh, early 1980s. And we found Black Oak Ranch in 1982, and it had everything we wanted. We wanted some flat land, some wide land, some a place where Camp Winorimo could be, a uh, place to farm, a place with trees, lots of water, and um, it, it it that was in Laytonville. A friend of ours found it and said, this is the place. And sure enough, it was, and is. And what were the first things you grew? Oh, that, I just started with a little half acre. And I had two small kids, that is a big part of it, and... The very first crop was blue corn. <laughs> blue, corn blue corn, interesting. Yeah, the most beautiful, beautiful crop. And we dried it, and um, we didn't sell it. We we um, basically made blue corn cereal and pancakes for more than a year on it. And um, we were just settling in, you know. We were, every penny was going to pay for the land, you know. And um but I had been farming in the desert for about six years by then, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. So after the blue corn, I, you know, it's like 20 beds, 2,200-foot 2, beds, and there was something of everything in there, like onions. Like, I'd try stuff and see if it worked, and stuff that worked in the desert and grew, like, overnight almost, you felt. It seemed really slow up here, mm. like those cold nights, and it was very different, wet, and and the summers weren't as hot as they are now. The creek, the creek in um in in the salmon run time, it would there were so many salmon then when we first bought this place. Now you'd be lucky if you see one or two, you know, around this time of year. Thanksgiving is usually when you see it, and um. I'm glad we're getting rain now because maybe that'll bring them up. But but back then, I uh, it was like something out of National Geographic. Wow! You know, of wow. Huge salmon going across this, this these creeks. Do you think that I has think to do with dams upriver or
0: just good old-fashioned climate change?
1: Uh, everything. I think it's more. We we didn't. We have triple the neighbors we used to have mm. up, up in the mountains mm-hmm. behind us. Um, It was a logging town when we moved in, and then then there was the back-to-landers, and um, the pot industry just exploded, and people were dividing their land and... and, Diverting uh, the water. Yeah, and so there was that, and the climate is just changing. It's just getting hotter and hotter.
0: So after that half-acre of blue corn, what was your first, like, profitable crop and where did you sell it?
1: Well, I, <laughs> I grew it. Uh, you know, um, as a young farmer, you might think, what is the most prolific crop? And, of course, um, summer squash <laughs> is a very prolific oh, crop. Oh, yeah. But oh, boy, <laughs> people can only eat so much <laughs> summer squash, I realized. And uh, I, grew, I grew quite a bit of summer squash and realized, That was crazy because I was dumping half of it because you just can't move that much. And that was before the hub, too, way, way, way before the hub. I was going all to local stores, you know, with my produce. Lettuce was a big one. I could grow lettuce back then way through the summer and into the fall. I can't do that anymore. I used to sell, oh, maybe 500 heads a week, and then it went up from there. So lettuce was a great starter for me. And then a neighbor gave me some garlic to try, and I put just, you know, it was like five pounds or something, and I put just one bed in of garlic, and it grew great, just grew great, and it's big, beautiful, purple garlic. And so I moved on, so lettuce, garlic, and onions began to be my three main basic crops. And, and carrots, as, right? As don't I, you don't you grow carrots? Carrots, yes. As I put in more land, then I had to, you know, I I in 2010, I think it was. I inherited a little money from my father who passed, and that's when I bought my van, that's when I extended the farm to 10 acres. I enclosed 10 acres but i didn't cultivate 10 acres all at once i i the first thing i did was put an irrigation system in and a secure fence those two things and then i planted an orchard an apple orchard three acre apple orchard just from bench um just grafted little sticks and mm, i'd say a third of them didn't make it when i first planted them but then um, I've learned how to graph myself. So every year, you know, I graph some and I lose some. I've had a terrible amount of squirrels this year. And, like, I've never seen anything like it. Almost every tree has a big squirrel hole underneath it. Oh, dear. And um, oh, dear. I'm, I'm, I've am i heard other people say it's a crazy year for squirrels. But um, Are you fighting them? Well, trapping. You know, we have these traps. Well, it's like one of those Haberhart traps, and you can get about six or seven squirrels in there. And we move them way, way far away at the other end of the property. But um, I'm thinking of just dabbing them with a little bit of paint, so that I'll know if it's them. When if they're they coming come back, back. You know? Yeah, I, you, you never know. But this year they just they multiply like crazy. Like every 21 days, they have another crop of babies. It sounds like. Oh my
0: goodness! So mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. know squirrels see, were
1: that prolific. These have-a-heart traps are great, and I'm... Not they if they keep coming them. back, Irene! <laughs> well, I don't know if they're coming back. I haven't painted them yet. <laughs> I think they're just having fun in the holes and multiplying. That's what I think.
0: Oh, my god! Anyway.
1: So, yeah. So, then, so, it was lettuce. It was carrots, onions, and garlic. Those four things were my main things. And where were and you selling ran, them? Where was I selling them? Yeah. Prime, um, mm-hmm in those early days natural foods mariposa geigers and farmer's market laytonville farmer's market i used to do back in the old days um laytonville and willis farmer's market now we do three markets a week if i was to do more than three markets a week there wouldn't be any time to pull weeds or you know it's like i have three people who work for me and it takes most of their day to get the next order ready for, or um, for the for the markets and for the hub or wherever the hell I'm selling it. Yeah, so it's a lot. You got two days. You got two full days to you know catch up with whatever, turning in a block or you know or transplanting or whatever. You know our transplants, poor guys, they they wait in the greenhouse a long time before sometimes we can get them in the ground. But, yeah, but you've got to keep selling because how are you going to pay people otherwise?
0: That's right. It's a real grind.
1: It is, and I wonder how other people do it because I've been doing it a long time, and, and I started with just a half acre. I went all the way up to 10 acres. That includes the orchard, though. So, it really, it was five, six acres of vegetables. And now I'm going way back down to some of it is, is climate change. The garlic. Garlic is becoming my main crop. I'm planning on doing a half acre of flowers this next year. Flowers are great. I just love the flowers. They just cheer you up. Even if you don't sell one flower, it's like, oh, my God, I love the flowers. They just make it all Something you want to go out and see in the early morning, you know, it's just gorgeous. Well, and you so did you pick with your explain. flowers, right? I do you pick, yeah. That's so clever
0: because then you can grow them and enjoy them for yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then people <laughs> come and you tell them to bring a bucket and their scissors. We supply the water. And they just hand me water, money when they leave and then they come back the next week. It's great. They get a kick out of it, and I. There's very little labor. Well, I do use, I do use plastic mulch, and that was, um, that's a whole other subject. You use what? I, um, Say that again. Plastic mulch.
0: Plastic mulch. That yeah,
1: happens. That's all right. And this year, this year, I decided. You know, there's just so much plastic in the world, and when you think of the oceans and blah blah blah, I just decided we're just not going to do it. We're going to keep up with the weeds. Well, that was insane that was literally insane um especially on an organic I just farm with it. yeah if you no, can't plastic mulch CBD them and you can't onion. spray them you just you just kind of you have to get your weeds when they're when they're little and then you have to come back and get the next set and the next set and the next set but the longer it goes even when you're weeding with the tractor, they want the tractor needs them small too because if you let them get big, they wind themselves around your cash crop and, you know, it's it's it takes twice as long and you do way more damage. So really it's like never take a weed for granted and always get them when they're little. Always get them when they're little. Even if it means you're leaving your overgrown squash that's gasping to get out into the ground another day or two, it's like you really have to discipline yourself to get to, to spend time doing that.
0: I want to ask a couple more questions about you, Pick, and then let's talk about your organic certification. I'm wondering if there are any um, like liability concerns with having people come on to the farm and pick flowers and sort of how you hedge against no. that.
1: I don't. I trust. You trust these people. Are, I trust people. Be- you know, these are like women with their kids that run up and down the pathways and they're surrounded by this color on either side. And these are people who, they're not, the most they're using is the scissors. I guess someone can cut themselves with a scissors. They don't give it to the kids. I can't imagine how they, I mean, they can trip up over a rock or something, you know, I don't know, but I, if, if they were using machinery or something like that, yes, that would be a whole different thing. Sure, But, um, no, I I think the you pick with the flowers is basically common sense, um, risk-free. It's what, it's what my optimistic side of me says. I've never had a problem with it.
0: I love that optimism. Um, for our <laughs> bee business, we carry liability insurance, and we don't ever oh, wow. let anybody into our hives, but... All someone would have to say, basically, is that they were stung by a bee within a mile radius of one of our hives. um, Oh, And they could sue us because that's the system we've built in the United States. So, we have to, our our insurance uh, agent told us we had to carry liability insurance, so we do.
1: Oh. Well, the whole ranch has liability insurance. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, we have a kid's camp, we have... You know, festivals here. There's so the whole ranch is covered with liability insurance. So I presume I should. Now you're going to have me getting worried um, that I should look that up and see if the farm is covered in that. Well, we're just—we're like not that. even going to put
0: the the bad juju out there. You have this lovely, yeah, okay. no this lovely—you pick flowers set up, and I think it will just continue to be lovely. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you is. mentioned the festivals. This was the last year for the Kate Wolf Festival, right? Yeah. Oh, talk to me about is. that.
1: And that—that that was my favorite, and many people's favorite con- uh, music festival. It was—it was conscious. Lovely people, fantastic musicians. Even if you'd never heard of them, the talent was just amazing. Many different stages you could go to. Um, but I did have the advantage of living here. So if you get tired, you can just go home. Right. I'm not so <laughs> sure I would want, maybe as a younger person, yeah. But at this stage of my life, I'm not sure Sure, I'd want to go camping out at a festival and have to be there all the time this is the best of both words i can hear the music on my deck and but i love going out and seeing the vendors and it's just um the quality of the music and the quality of the venue is uh just great but it's gone now
0: r.i.p kate wolf festival it'll
1: be yeah, it'll be sorely missed, it really will.
0: Now, was that just because the organizers were ready to retire,
1: or do yeah. You- yeah, Yeah, you know, we'd come back after two years of not doing any- anything like that, and um, set up after that is a lot, because um, it's just the grass is longer, everything is, you know, everything is behind, more or less, and um, it was looking like a great sellout show and i think the promoters you know who are not spring chickens anymore decided let's go out with this one and um it was a great success
0: well i'm i'm glad that it it was good for as long as it was and people will have have memories of that for for decades yeah yeah i'm like you though i've been a curmudgeon since i was 19 which is the last time i camped at a music (laughs) festival
1: really really what happened at 19 you had kids maybe no no
0: i think i just really leaned into my like middle-aged woman uh aesthetic Mm -hmm. i just i like to Mm -hmm. i like to be comfortable
1: (laughs) yeah comfortable with a yeah with a plenty to do
0: um, Well, let's take a quick break to reintroduce you. This is the Farm and Garden Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Archer. Today, I'm interviewing Irene Engber of Irene's Garden Produce up in Leightonville. Irene is a certified organic grower and she has been farming since 1989. If folks have burning questions for Irene. Feel free, we'll open the phone lines up 707-895-2448 and while we wait to see if a call comes in, Irene can you talk a little about the decision to become certified organic and what that process was like?
1: Um, it really was the sales. I think that that without being certified at the time, I've been certified for a long time, but Without being certified, and there wasn't, back then there wasn't a chance to be registered organic, which was is a way cheaper version of proving that indeed you are organic, um, you know, registered with the state. Before that came in, um, you're either certified or not. And I found, like, selling at places like Ukiah Co-op, it was really hard to sell without having... Having an agency behind you saying yes, this this farmer is is certified organic. Well, so we ha-
0: hey I, I I, Irene, hang on one sec. We have a call. Okay. hi caller. You're live on the
2: air. Hello. Um, I, I I met Irene in 1980 out at Desert Center, and <laughs> um, and 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 you skipped over that period so quickly. I, I don't know. You, you might not remember me. I was on the bus that was going to the uh, survival gathering on Linda's bus, uh-huh. and we stopped over on the way out in Desert Center. And you guys had just started growing a hoba, and I mean, you skipped over that whole period of your life real quickly. And I'm—I've always been curious. I don't know why I haven't even brought it up with Lou or anybody, but I've always been curious as to how that went.
1: Well. That's interesting. Um, That's amazing.
2: (laughs) You met us in Desert Center, and you remember. Um, Oh, absolutely! Oh, I was, I was. It was, it was an amazing journey. We went, we we saw you guys, and then we went to uh, Big Mountain and picked up some elders, and then we went up to the survival gathering, and then something was going on at Big Mountain, so we all went back to Big Mountain, and uh, and I I, actually I built the uh, the luggage rack that was on top of the uh, bus. For the trip, it was oh fun. Oh my goodness! Wow, that was
1: Linda Dietrich.
2: Linda's Linda's bus, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, Linda's bus. My husband's uh, My husband's sister. sister. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Boy. Well, the whole desert center area was turning into jojoba beans. Jojoba beans were like the big new cash crop. We stuck with vines, with grapes. We did not put jojoba in, but all our neighbors did. There was, we had to, there was an original farm that I ended up in 1978, and that was on Rice Road in Desert Center, and that was 26 acres of grapes. But that got bought out from underneath us. I was there for about three years, and they sold it, and they, they put in asparagus. The new owners put in asparagus. They made a fortune in two years on asparagus. Wow. It just grew like crazy down there. But all the neighbors, any like local farms and stuff, they went into jojoba beans to make oil, and it just took a long time. Um, eventually, yeah, I, I thought- by the time I left, by the time I left the desert, jojoba was. Really declining. There was one farm that was left there doing it, way out in the middle of nowhere, up by the mountains. Friends of ours, and I, I. think they were the only ones still doing it when we left. And I left the desert in about, well, permanently. I left in eighty-five.
2: Oh, huh. okay. Well, I thought that you guys had done that also. Maybe no, maybe we didn't you were do a or something because no, because somebody was. Was telling someone from the farm was was talk, from the family was talking to me about what a great thing it was and how you know what a great product it was and how it was a perfect location to grow it and stuff. But I guess you didn't go that way,
1: it was a good, it, but it was like it was a fad, it was one of those fads that everybody boom. jumped into and and it, it 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 died. It by the time I left there, it died. But we did not we the hog farm did not grow jojoba. I know that absolutely for sure. We stuck with the grapes. Then we moved to a new place, still in Desert Center, and because the other place got sold out from underneath, we didn't own that original place. We cared. We were caretakers, and that's where we learned. We, none of us were real farmers. We all learned how to do it down there. We had great help from a guy called Stephen Pavage, who was a grape farmer in Arizona, and he taught us everything we knew at the time. But. Um, so, yeah, no, we didn't. We never grew jojoba. We stuck with grapes. We moved to the new place. We put in 10 acres of grapes there, and um, I left there not long after. 1985 is when I left full-time, left the desert full-time and came up here. We didn't own any of the places in Desert Center, and at that time, the hog farm had bought Black Oak Ranch, where we actually owned it, and by then we'd realized... The difference between renting a place or caretaking a place it's never yours you can never be absolutely sure it's going to be there five years from now you know what I mean and um, so that's that's why we we uh, and a lot of the family didn't want to move down the city folks didn't want to live in the desert
0: well what a fun uh, throwback thanks so much for the call Yeah, thank you I think that's such What's a good your name. Oh, I hung up on him, sorry. Okay,
1: no worries. No worries. <laughs> I think you make no worries, but that's interesting huh. Yeah.
0: I mean that's mendo for you. I love that about yeah. this place.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. you no make worries.
0: such a good point about owning versus renting or leasing the land yeah. and how yeah. even if you have a long term lease that can change and that mm-hmm. is such a barrier to farming for young farmers yeah. these days is access yeah. to land.
1: Right. So, Uh, yeah.
0: There's not Absolutely. a great solution to it. It's just, I think it's important to continue to name that that problem of land access. Right. Because you hear yeah. a lot of people saying, um, oh, you know, I've got 10 acres or 20 acres and someone could come on and farm them and they can have a long lease and I won't even charge them. And it's like, well, their time and their inputs and the improvements they're going to have to make on the land, that's all really valuable. And, you know, relationships can go sour pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. So yeah.
1: When I think of what it cost and the energy and um, to to raise – I mean, I was lucky. We own this land, so – but to raise um, kids and really try and establish a farm, it wasn't until Mike – I mean, I remember having these little silly little toys and bits of candy that I – thick under the squash plants or the spinach plants or whatever, and that would keep my kids busy looking <laughs> for that. Clever. <laughs> this is like be- before daycare or whatever. Yeah, well before preschool. Um, so then you could run and get something done, you know, for 20 minutes or something, that kind of way. And then as they grew, then you got, like, the the... Sports games to go to to yell and roar out and prom is coming in and that takes a lot of time you know there's all these things it wasn't until they were both in college that i really felt um i had time my full time to do that and even still it takes a few years you're still looking behind you god have i forgotten something you know (laughs) well
0: you (laughs) have so so much farming knowledge and you've you've pivoted a lot um, and one of those yeah. pivots, like we were talking about before the phone call, was the certified organic, um, getting right. a certified organic. And I'm wondering how that process has changed over the years. Is it considerably harder um, to be certified I now? Would
1: feel, I would feel insecure if I wasn't certified. What made me get certified at first is someone like Libby in Yukaya Co-op just would not sell your produce unless you were certified. And that was like, oh, wow. And... But in the desert, when we were doing grapes, we were certified organic. So I kind of inherited that mentality. I didn't really question it very much. And I reaffirmed, it was reaffirmed to me that it was important to be certified because I did mostly wholesale. A little, um, a little farmer's markets back then, but mainly wholesale. And for wholesale, like they really want you certified. I haven't found any store that Doesn't care.
0: And what's it like? Like, what is the process to get certified, and how often do you have to renew it?
1: Once a year, and um, if you, it's kind of a pain in the neck, but I think, (laughs) but I think it's worth it. (laughs) Um, It's like the cost share helps a lot. So, say it cost me about a thousand dollars to to be certified every year. There's like the state fees, then there's the federal fees. Um, then there's the inspection, someone comes out every year and sits with you for um, half an hour or so and look, they look at your, every seed you've bought to see if they're organic seeds. And um, if they're not organic seeds, why are they not organic seeds? You can't use the reason that, well, those seeds were too expensive more than commercial seed. Um, right, of course they're more expensive. They are, yeah, they're way more expensive. But um, if you're, like, it took me years to find the right onion to grow here, many seasons, because I would try all these different types, and if they weren't, if, if my latitude wasn't the right latitude for a certain type of onion, it, it wouldn't work. They'd all go to seed. So you go to all this work, although it wasn't like the quantity I'm talking about now. Right now I would put, you know, I would put 30,000 onion seeds in the ground. So back then it was like maybe 10,000, you know what I mean? And so, but it's all really relative when you think about it. I had one poor woman working for me then, and we spent a lot of time laughing and making mistakes, but figuring it out. And now I have three, and I kind of know the onion that works. And if that seed is not, it's odd because they're candy onions, which I really love. They're nice, big, beautiful, crisp, sweet onions, and they last a long time. They're not, they're not, um, they're not listed at ones that last a long time, but they last as long as copra or any long-lasting storage onion. And, in fact, we're still eating those onions. But um, what was I saying? uh, about about the the the
0: availability of the seed
1: right so if those if you can buy candy starts that from from johnny seed that are organic right they're they're grown organically the seed is organic but you cannot get organic candy seeds yourself you can buy the starts but you cannot find the, the seeds but the fact that I went through all these different varieties that went to seed in my garden and it wasn't the right latitude and I finally, finally found exact onion that works perfectly for us, I don't want to change that onion. And so that excuse works well with the agencies. So they want you to be sustainable. They want you to, like, have that in your mind. They want you to be conscious about water consumption. They don't want you having um, oil running away from you. They want you to cover crop. So all those things I agree with. So I don't really mind that there is a clause in there saying you should do this, because I understand that. And sustainable farming is, you know, where it's at with, with registration. I, I'm with CCOF.
0: And what about the Mendocino Renegade certification? I've
1: never used them and mainly because I'm too lazy to change. It's like, <laughs> "Oh god, how do I do this?" But a lot of my friends are Renegade and I I don't know, do they get do they get inspected every year? Does someone come out to the farm and
0: I don't know. That'd be an interesting show, actually, to have someone, if you're out there and yeah. you're w- you're certified with Mendocino Renegade Organics or you work with them, please send an email to dj at kzyx.org. I'd love to have you on the show. Well, there you go. Because I don't actually know very much about it. I, I see it. Yeah. I've seen the label and I know the co-op will buy yeah. Mendocino Renegade. Right. So.
1: right. Yeah. So... It could be cheaper than CSRF. they've been around since we were in the desert. So you know, it's like what I do. I, you know, yeah, you. It's it's the the. the um... I hate the paperwork. <laughs> I hate the paperwork of all the farming. I just hate the paperwork, and so my desk is always a mess. Um, I always catch everything at the last minute, but um, so that's one of the reasons I don't want to change because. Someone would have to tell me, look, it'll cost you half the price or something, and they reimburse you half it if, you know, you change. And so I would. But CTOF seems to work for me, and and, um, there is the cost share that you can apply for. And you get, it used to be 75% back of whatever your costs were. And now, if you make under a certain amount, you know, if your gross income is under a certain amount, you can make, um, you can Apply for car share and you get fifty percent back now.
0: Fifty percent of the cost to get for. certified.
1: Yeah. Oh wow. All the costs. Yeah. So that's that's cool. Well, and that's a state. That's a state. Um, grant, I guess they get to do that. I go through um, Sacramento for that.
0: I don't think you are unique among farmers in hating paperwork. I would posit that most people go into farm work because they don't want a life of paperwork. Exactly. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we're coming. We're rounding the corner. 3:45. We have about uh, tw- 12 minutes left to talk. So if folks have questions, give us a call. 707-895-2448. This is the Farm and Garden Show. I'm Elizabeth Archer, and I'm interviewing Irene Engber of Irene's Garden Produce. Let's talk about your granulated garlic. When? Okay. When did you pivot to to making granulated garlic? I know garlic has been one of your main cash crops for long time it grows really well there you become kind of well known for it do you also grow garlic seed and sell it to other farmers yeah so garlic's kind of like your thing
1: garlic is getting more and more my thing and and i just want to say something real quick before we get on yeah of course i can talk forever about garlic but i want to say bugs Bugs are always a problem. We're talking about being certified organic and what to use to get rid of bugs and what not to use to get rid of bugs. And most of the stuff that you can use as an organic farmer is you have to you have to repeat it. You can't just do one application and then you're fine. You know, when the sun hits it, it's good for two hours, and then it's then it's then it evaporates. Emerged. Yeah. So um, there, I you know, and it's something you learn for years and you know it. Wildflowers. Wildflowers make a huge difference, and I was saying, "Oh yeah, I'll do it. Oh yeah. Oh God, I got to give a row up to wildflowers. Oh God." <laughs> now, all the other flowers I grow that you pick flowers, they're they're great for bees and stuff, but they're not really that great for um, beneficial insects. Whereas wildflowers, oh my God, they got I mean, you can just spend an hour looking really close at all these great bugs out there, and I tell you, they cut. They cut my use of, like, uh, Pyganic or any pyrethrum product, they cut it back, I'd say, 80%. Wow. And that's, wow. that's just from the first year. One time I had I had so many aphids, I had to throw out, like, 2,000 heads of cabbage, gorgeous heads of cabbage, that were so riddled with aphids, especially in August. They really come out in August. That I, I just threw the crop out. It was just dreadful. Oh, One heartbreaking! Those, oh my god! I hate yeah, awful things. Aphids and just
0: love cabbage, don't they?
1: The next year, amigo Bob, he was my farm of, farm advisor. He's he's since died. Great guy, great guy. But he taught me basically everything I know. And he was telling me, he always said, you know, I mean, just stick stick a little wildflowers in, stick a little wild. well. I did, and now every block, uh, it's like a religion with me. I absolutely put them in, and you do have to irrigate them. But you can just ignore the rest of the time, and the next year you hardly have to plant any because they're reseeding themselves. But they reseed early in the year, so halfway through the summer you'll see, well, hell, you know, they're like, they're almost, you know, dying back. But then other ones come up. Anyway, I just have to talk about wildflowers. I love it. I love that you're you're talking about wildflowers wildflowers are great they're the answer okay what are we talking about wait wait, wait real okay, quick for the,
0: wait, wait wait for the wildflowers is it a double whammy that they not only are attracting the beneficial insects but they're also creating a food source for the the other insects so they'll eat the wildflowers instead of your crop i haven't
1: seen that okay so you know, they're just it's just that they're
0: attracting bugs, bugs that like to eat yeah they are
1: attracting bugs that's right um Aphids and cucumber beetles are my two main bugs. Yes, the bane and, of
0: everyone's existence in this county, yeah, for sure. right.
1: And and I hardly see them. I mean, it's not like I don't ever see them, but I see them to where, oh, there's one. <laughs> Instead of saying, "Oh my god, look at the fat squash flower. It's like you can hardly see it for the cucumber beetles on there."
0: All right. Wildflowers. Okay, g- garlic. Yeah, while we while we, we have time, we have 10 minutes, not even. Okay. And I think you and I could have
1: spoken for the whole
0: hour about garlic, probably.
1: (laughs) Okay. So So you're known for garlic, garlic. and now you're
0: granulating it.
1: Well, I'm also selling it. I mean, I'm selling it as fresh garlic, and I'll sell it as seed garlic. I did slow down on the seed garlic a few years ago because I was trying to build up my stock. I kind of made this decision. My garlic is an early, early uh, crop. It comes in, I, I harvest at the end of May, and it's it's purple garlic it's grown everywhere in mendocino county now i think i mean there's so many farmers now that grow i call it irene's garlic at this stage because a neighbor gave it to me years and years and years ago like 30 years ago this neighbor gave me like a few pounds oh you want to try my garlic i said oh yeah sure well it was very popular and it grew well and he didn't know what actual type it was it's a rocambole so there is no official name of the it's
0: yours let's get it licensed <laughs> yeah,
1: <right. laughs> anyway so one year you know as I was expanding into my 10 acres from from half an acre then we put the orchard in and then um, I would do like half an acre a year or Maybe up to an acre expansion. Once I got the whole new irrigation system in Pankstad, it was it was great. I mean, you can't do that without a lot of money. But anyway, so then it was learning how to handle that big difference between half an acre and and ten acres. It was like everything was so much more expensive. You're not just buying compost for you know half an acre. You're buying compost for you know four or five acres. Like holy. Well, I'm not supposed to use bad language, so I won't use that language. <laughs> good catch (laughs) anyway um so one year as i should really plant in september in my climate anytime in september from mid-september to mid-october but the earlier in in that mid-september time you plant the bigger your, your garlic is going to be so you want to get most of that fall before it gets really cold nights you want to get that growth In your garlic and then it'll just sit over the winter and then spring it takes off again but at least you have that real growth like those good eight inches from the from the um, from the fall planting and but because I was expanding it got later and later I ended up my last one was like late October early November and I got this really small garlic for a crop I kept the best for planting and I said I have to do something with this. I sold whatever I could at the markets, you know. But I said I have to do something with this, and garlic powder came into my head. And I just played with it and diddled around with it, and I liked what came out. And granulated garlic. There's garlic powder and there's granulated. Yes, please right? explain the difference. And my, my okay. There's very little difference, but there's more quality. In granulated garlic. So it's like my daughter married someone who was in the catering, grew up in the catering business, right? So if you're like a connoisseur and if you're, (laughs) if you like, (laughs) if you know, you know, what's cool and what maybe isn't so cool, you know, like loose tea, they always said was the sweepings from the floor. Whereas tea bags were the, you know, the prime thing.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay. Who
1: really knows? But garlic powder is kind of like the the floor sweepings and in the culinary world. And the granulated is the creme de la creme. So even to me, it looked like powder. um What I was making, my daughter was saying, it's granulated. Mom, you have to say it's granulated. So... As time went on, I've only been doing this for about three years, but you know, you find out what doesn't work in the beginning, and the more you grind it into powder, the more powdered it is, the more it cakes. Mm. And it can get hard as a rock. Garlic is really sticky. I mean, I had to use a drill at one time to break through the garlic that had, that had just packed itself <laughs> tight. It's like, it's like a gl- I was thinking, God, I could make glue out of this, but anyway. Um so now I don't grind it as much. I make it a, the garlic is a little bigger, it's just a, just a I mean you'd hardly notice, but it doesn't cake and it's it's always been really pungent, you know It is like. very
0: pungent.
1: And then I got some great grants from um the Good Farm Fund for um dehydrators. And I got two huge dehydrators, and we have a cold kitchen here on the ranch, which is another reason it made me think to do this. So since I've been doing this, I've expanded my garlic. I want to get up to two acres of garlic, and I want to sell most of that as fresh garlic. We planted this year 1,600 heads of garlic, which is from each head you get about 10 cloves. So that's a lot of garlic. And in a bag of and,
0: granulated garlic, about how many cloves is that? Okay, that is
1: about two pounds. Which but if you're using your small, you're using your smalls, you're using you're using the ones that aren't the big you no matter how good a crop you have, you're always going to have a percentage of those. And that's what we use in the garlic powder. And so I say ninety percent of my crop I sell And besides what I'm keeping to plant, which is, you know, it'll be up to eighteen hundred heads next year if I have a decent crop. I mean, you know, never never say you're gonna They're in
0: there now. They're they're baking or freezing I guess (laughs) in the soil.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they are. They like that cold winter and they don't look right now. And then it comes but I do I do a weeding, we get a weeding done. Around now, when it's not raining, my crew will come back and weed. And each weeding, when you're when you're looking at the cost of what it is, each weeding is about fifteen hundred bucks wow. each path. And to do, I wouldn't want to have to do more than two of those in a season. And that's say about you know three thousand you put into weeding, and then you have to put whatever into planting, and then harvesting, and then, and then dehydrating. Then Right, you and gotta then, clean it. Well, yeah, well, that's the garlic powder. That's true. We're still talking about the garlic powder or granulated garlic, I should say. Anyway, um, so I wouldn't ever want to do my whole crop in in as processed garlic. I love my fresh garlic, and it's. I started selling it up north this year. I went up to Yukon. Um, uh, sorry, Yukon Natural Foods and, Uki- and Arcata and Arcada Co-op. With my garlic. I looked at the garlic there, and it wasn't... I don't think their garlic comes in until later. Mm. Because the garlic they had there, their local garlic, wasn't that great. Mine was, like, Superman besides me. Yours is. Yours is the
0: Superman garlic.
1: And so when I brought it up there, you know, I was kind of shy. I felt like I was going into these huge stores, like, oh, my God. And um, they didn't know me like they know me here. And... Uh, they looked at the garlic, and the garlic just sold itself.
0: That's right. So I
1: sold, uh, uh, I sold, oh, about two thousand pounds up there. I'd go up, and I'd ask them to buy a hundred, uh, no less than a hundred pounds at a time, so that it was worth my trip going up there. But also, my kids live up there, and they have my grandkids, so I get to see them too. Oh, so,
0: good, yeah. Smart. Yeah, double, double great. duty. Yeah, it was great. Oh my gosh, yeah. Irene, I could talk to you for another hour, but we have yeah, to end I know, the show. I do want to say I am obsessed with your granulated garlic because I love garlic, but I hate peeling garlic cloves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And it really get is just a full substitute I just garlic granules and everything um, Oh my gosh Irene thank you so much for this wonderful yeah. show And I'm excited to okay. see you Hopefully on Tuesday yeah, At on the Tuesday. Good okay. Farm Fun Winter Feast There are still tickets You can great. get them at goodfarmfun.org It's this Tuesday December 6th At Bara in Redwood Valley From 5 to yeah. 9 It's an amazing dinner um, okay, great. Irene it's been a pleasure Well thank you so
1: much Thanks a lot, Elizabeth. It's always great to see you. You're always
0: so bouncy. Thanks, Irene. All right.
1: Bye.
0: This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red Donate button in the upper right corner.